Hi, my name is Lisa Clegg and I'm a maternity nurse, mum of three, nanny to one and author of The Blissful Baby Expert and The Blissful Toddler Expert. In my job as a maternity nurse, I advise parents all over the world on feeding, sleeping and any area of development really. They say it takes a village to raise a child and a lot of us don't have family or friends close by when our babies are born. So we wanted to create a place where we can all come together, rave about the good and bad parts about being a parent without any judgment and we hope that it makes our listeners feel like you're not alone and you can use the tips and advice to help with your babies and toddlers. Please be aware that you may on occasion hear some swearing or graphic language. Obviously we will try and keep that to a minimum but we just wanted to put the disclaimer in just in case we have a little drop every now and again. If there's any subjects you would like us to discuss or any regular features you would like us to do, please, please send us an email or contact me via Instagram. All the details are in the podcast description and we hope to hear from you soon. Hi everyone, this morning we've got Mary Louise joining us. Hi Mary, how are you today? Hi, good morning Lisa, I'm very well, how are you? Good, I'm good, thank you. Now today we're going to talk about hip dysplasia, um, which is something you've had a lot of experience of because you've got three lovely girls and all three of them have had it, haven't they? Yes, I've had 100% success rate, unfortunately, with uh, hip dysplasia for my small little babies. Um, So yeah, good bit of experience. Yeah. So just for anyone listening who's not sure what it is, obviously, lots of people, you know, everyone who's had a baby will know, or is probably very aware that when babies are born, that you probably notice that the doctor has a little feel around with their legs and moves their legs and hips around and they do a hip check when a baby is born. Maybe not everyone will know exactly what they're looking for or what that entails and and why they do that. So we'll just kind of explain that and then we can go on to, um, you know, talk about what what your experience was. So do you you want to do that or shall I? Um, Yeah, I'm happy to give it a go. Um, So developmental dysplasia um, of the hip is basically where the ball and socket joint do not form properly together. So if you can imagine the femur, the thigh bone, it's like the ball part. It's not quite fitting properly with the pelvis. So it can either be at the wrong angle or too shallow. Um, it varies from obviously case to case. And the in our case, the consultant always spoke to us in terms of degree. So anything below 60 degrees requires some form of treatment. Anything above is uh you're good to go yeah so basically when they're wiggling the the legs and hips in a newborn baby they're just looking for movement aren't they they want to feel that it's quite the ball and joint is quite firm and that there's no movement as they're moving the baby's legs and hips around yeah exactly so they'll check also kind of the leg lengths and how stiff or as you mentioned how loose the hip joint is Mm -hmm. and and obviously they don't generally do treatment immediately if they were to find that at at, at two weeks or newborn when they check it they would usually get you to come back again for a scan wouldn't they to to then check further yeah um i think what's important to uh be aware of in this case as well is the longer you leave it the harder it is to treat um so my firstborn um 
when she was checked in the hospital and my follow-up appointment with the GP, they signed her off as fine with her hips. The only reason that she was scanned was because she was breech. Now, hip dysplasia, unfortunately, is more common in breech babies and females. They don't know why. It's just one of these things. So we um, had a follow-up with the NHS at around 10 weeks. It was quite late for a scan of a breech baby at 10 weeks, but there was some... We kind of got lost in the system for a couple of weeks. Um, And... Her hips weren't the way, weren't positioned um, how they should be. Uh, Their view was very much wait and see, come back in another six, eight weeks. We had done our own research in the meantime. We're not really happy with that approach. So we got a second opinion through my work health insurance. And we went with this amazing um, professor in Great Ormond Street, and he took one look at the scans and straight away put a pelvic harness on her that day, there and then. Yeah, I remember that because I was working nights with you, wasn't I? And I remember you, you yes. just had no warning, did you? You went you went for the scan yeah. and came home with a baby in a harness. So there was absolutely yeah. no, you know, way for you to kind of process the idea. It was just immediate and you had to learn yeah. to deal with it. And she, she was quite old and she was about 12 weeks, was she? Yeah, she was about 12 weeks. So yeah. um, a lot, a lot older than you would prefer. Mm. So the ideal time is kind of six weeks when you want to, if, if the degree is not where it should be. You need to get it a harness on ASAP. Um, but I do remember that day very well. I was walking home from Great Ormond Street just in a kind of state of shock. I didn't, I'd never seen this pelvic harness before. I had, um, you know, only recent knowledge of what hip dysplasia was. And that first night was terrible. I mean, my my little baby, my 10, 12 week old, who had just started, you know, kicking and moving around with her legs and laughing and really getting starting to get into that fun period was it felt like she was suddenly tied up and that first night she didn't know what was going on either and she cried and cried and the only time she would sleep was on my chest yeah um that was a very first um rough first night but then by day two and three she had completely got into the swing of it. I was still getting my head around it. She was fine. Um, So they do adjust really quickly. Um, Babies two and three for me, when they had the harness on, they didn't blink. They went straight into it. But again, they were um, diagnosed at around six weeks. So that period of time, I guess, makes a difference for them in their awareness of what they can and cannot do with their limbs. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, with um, your firstborn, like you said, you'd kind of already got to the stage where you'd established a routine and she was sleeping well. And then it was a big change for her. But babies and children just in general, they adapt so quickly to things much, much better and faster than than we as adults do. Because yeah, yeah, within two or three days, I know she was fine. And and I think the hardest thing is with the harness is you as a parent trying to adjust your care, isn't it? And because the, um, it's 20, well, it's, some some of them would actually say 24 hours a day, but I think yours with all three of yours has been 23 hours a day. You've been able to take it off for a bath, haven't you? And um, um, with the Well, yes and no. It was a case of, look, if you really have to bath them, we prefer it for babies one and two. 
um, they were in the same type of harness and was like, look, just top and tail, unless you really have to bath and like there's a poo explosion. Yeah. My third had a slightly different type of pavlik. So it, um, I was able to take it on and off daily if I needed to, but only for, you know, 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a big adjustment how you hold your baby. Again, you imagine going back to like a six or 12 week old, how beautifully cuddly they are. They're starting to smile and they just feel so good. And then yeah. one day you come home from the hospital and they have this like structure and this stiffness to them because they're in a harness. Um, so that definitely took some getting used to. It was also, I always remember one day my NCT group meeting them and they had never you know, come across this hip displacer, this harness before. And I got a comment from one of the girls saying, oh, look at her. She's sitting in a most unladylike fashion. Oh, because if you can imagine her legs are you know out at the angle they need to be her legs are spread and they kind of look like little oh. frogs don't they in in the harness they, they kind of the idea is that they um push the the balls up into the sockets isn't it to kind of make yeah, them and keep it in a place. secure position yep. exactly yeah um and you know little innocuous i'm sure there was nothing nasty what she was saying but it mm. was um Gosh, it hurt. It really yeah. hurt. Again, you know, your baby is the most precious thing in your entire universe. And for somebody to say anything remotely um, negative was, yeah, that I, I was quite sensitive about that comment. Yeah, and to know that you're doing it for her long-term health as well, because there's massive implications, isn't there, for babies that, that this doesn't get picked up on long-term, you know, for physical yeah. development. So again, um, if it's caught in the first kind of three, four um, months of their life, it can be, and the pelvic harness generally has a high success rate. If it's that bit longer, um, you know, six, 12 months, then you're you're looking at a kind of a, a cast around the body and it's a, it's a lot more difficult for a child at that age, obviously, then to be completely restricted. And the other side of it is um, if it's not caught at all until later on in teenage years or adulthood, you're talking about quite serious major surgery to try and correct that. Because the risk is if it's left untreated, there is decreased function. There is, you know, you go on to develop hip um, arthritis, numerous, uh, numerous different complications. I found out, you know, after my initial exposure to this, I found out that a cousin of mine actually was treated for hip dysplasia when she was a child, had continuous um, treatments. And when she was, I think, 20, had quite a big operation. One of her legs is slightly shorter than the other now. And she, um, she continues to suffer despite having the operation. So it's something that... You know, it, I think there should be more awareness of it. And what scares me, Lisa, is if my firstborn was not breech, she would not have been scanned. She would have got the sign off in the hospital and at the GP that her hips were fine. Yeah. And babies two and three would never have been scanned. They again yeah. had the sign off in the hospital, had the sign off from the GP, you know, the when they check for the loose hips. Um, so that's, you know, that's a bit troubling for 
Yeah. So for you, it was the scan that that mainly picked it up. It wasn't the the initial um, hip hip um, exam that they do in a hospital. That that was missed, and it was only a scan that that then. Yeah, with um, with all three babies, it was not picked up during the physical examination. Okay. So um, my eldest got the sign off in the hospital, got the sign off from the GP at I think it might have been four weeks. And if it wasn't for the scan, it would not yeah. have been picked up. Wow. So potentially, you know, it's what what a parents like you would would want and and um ask for is that all babies are scanned routinely you know to check it maybe at birth or maybe at two or four weeks just to be sure there's no kind of problems that can affect them later in life yeah certainly um i think in some countries they just do a routine scan of the hips anyway Mm. um and i don't know if you came across those former made in chelsea reality um star instagrammer millie mcintosh so she had a baby, um, I think it was yes. around this time last year, and her baby had hip dysplasia. Again, from what I understand, uh, breach, cesarean, did the scan. So it, she was actually quite honest, uh, vocal, and um, spoke about it a lot and how difficult it was at times, and breastfeeding, etc. So I think that was great for creating an awareness of well, somebody yeah. as perfect as Millie can have um, a baby with hip dysplasia. Yeah. But yeah, I think it, it needs, there needs to be more awareness out there. Yeah, definitely. And all your girls since the treatment, are they all kind of great now and, or do they still need checkups routinely? Is so, that part of it? Again, we were fortunate in that our health insurance, although we did have a little bit of a battle getting um, follow-up scans at kind of two and four years, so one has a full sign off or middle is um, kind of 50-50 if I'm honest. We will have to go back this summer and, you know, see how the hip is positioned because last year it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have got the full sign off. Um, so, yeah, it's just something that um, I was glad that we were able to push and get those follow-up scans um, because... Yes. When she was a three, four month old, the ratios, the degree was in the right position and was only, you know, obviously in those three years that the hip hasn't um, grown or developed as it should have. So, yeah, that's right. something else to be aware of. Yeah, no, that's good. And obviously, you've had three children in the same family which is which is rarer and is more likely like you said you had a family member linked to genetics then that it is is yeah. sometimes sometimes it can be birth and and the breach and but other times it can be a genetic link if you have more than one child in in the family who are more likely to have the hip dysplasia aren't they yeah i mean our um consultant at great ormond street asked us to take part in the study because it is quite unusual to have you know three in a row and it is genetic three females as well yeah um so yeah we're hopefully gonna you know contribute in some small way to that study yeah and obviously 
Um, in terms of routine and everything, yes, they were unsettled, all three of them, for the first two to three days as they adjusted um, to just this new harness and being restricted and, and learning how to manage it. But you were still able to get them all in a routine, get them sleeping well, even though they, they had these harnesses, weren't you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for the first couple of days, uh, Cal Paul was a little friend of mine, Um but they adjusted, they're so resilient, and I got them into the routine, I could continue breastfeeding. Um, so I think it was unpleasant for me as a mom and you know emotionally, but yeah. for the babies, it was actually fine. And as my husband kept reminding me, you know, it's just so important that we do this. It's not pleasant to look at, it's not pleasant to cuddle your baby like that, but yeah. for the greater good, it's so important. Yeah, and so it's not were, something they remember. Yeah, they, they, it's not something no, they're ever going to remember um, either. And so we it's... had the um, Elisa Clegg routine down to the <laughs> So, um, yeah, they were, they were absolute champs. Yeah, and I think that helps as well. You know, if you've got some structure, doesn't it, that when you do bring a change in or a big change has to happen, that the babies adjust very quickly because their day-to-day routine is is quite um, structured and, and calming for them. Yeah, they know what to expect and that, you know, there is a sense of security in that for babies. And yeah. also, you know, the flip side is if they are upset, you kind of, you can eliminate certain things like, you know, the first night or two with my eldest, I knew it was just, it, it was hip, it was the, the unusual sensation for her. But she wouldn't, she slipped back into her routine straight away, and that was at 12 weeks. So yeah. um, there was no um, long-term kind of negative damage done to her routine. No, and then you also had kind of reflux to a certain degree with all three of them, um to, to, to manage as well, didn't you, um, alongside yeah. that? Yeah, a little bit of reflux, not as bad as uh, I think other people have gone through, but it was um, yeah, just something else to contend with. But yeah. it's I think everybody has something to deal with, don't they? Yeah. Some, yeah. Whether it's general sleep deprivation or, or like this, so it's a little roller coaster. Yeah, definitely. There's always something to throw a spanner in the works just when you think you've got a handle on parenthood. <laughs> yes, yes, just uh, when you think it's okay. Um, you know, my, my youngest, when I went to, when we went for the scan back in, I think it was late August, actually, when she was just six weeks, I was desperately, I kind of knew what was coming, but I was desperately hoping that she would get the all clear, and she yeah. didn't, and there is this, like, oh sense of here you go again um but I'm out the other side and you know I have to look at photographs to remind myself of what it was like um so it is just a it's a short-term um fix really for something that you hope will will avoid in adulthood so it's really important yeah exactly well thank you for all of that information i'm going to kind of throw a couple of things at you as our regular features just to ask you a couple of questions i don't think i've managed to prep you for this so i'm just gonna no um so two of our regular features first one is what would be your top parenting tip either as um when they're babies or toddlers or what would be your um if you could you know if you know somebody who's having a baby and they said right what's one thing you can tell me I should do or I shouldn't do or what you know a tip what would you say 
I think I have two. Um, one is, for me personally, routine really worked. Um, I knew I, I knew what to expect. I knew if they were crying, what it was likely to be. Um, a rested baby is a happy baby. So again, this is a very personal thing and some people are 100% for and others are 100% against. But for me, the routine was so important. And secondly, I think the expression, this too shall pass. So with my firstborn and at times with my secondborn, you know, you, you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And with the you know, with the experience that I've had and the benefit of hindsight, I can really say that, you know, all these little things, it comes in stages. And as you mentioned, just when you, you figured something else out a couple of weeks later, something else will crop up. Yeah. Um, but it's all just a moment in time and it does pass. Yeah. And, you know, we wouldn't go on to have second and third children if it was if if our brains remembered how exhausting and hard yeah. it was in the beginning stages. Would we? I think it's very easy to look back two years later and go, oh, yeah, I was exhausted, but I can do that again. You know, it was not that bad. And then when you're into the throes of it with your second one, you're like, wow, this is exhausting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why did I not remember this? <laughs> The blissful baby expert. Um, I don't know where I would be without you, Lisa, and your book. It was uh, it was just my bible, my go to, and it was fantastic. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Sounds like I'm paying everyone whenever they say this on the on the podcast, but you know it, it works, doesn't it? You know we all know that it works, and they are calmer and more blissful as a result of having that structure each day. So yeah. I mean, yeah. even now with my third, people comment that she's so happy, she's so calm, she never cries. Like, well, yeah. she doesn't really because she's fed, she's got a clean nappy, she's rested. She doesn't have much to complain about, really, does she? No. <laughs> she, she's living her best life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The rest of us are drained, but <laughs> she's happy. <laughs> So the other feature was most embarrassing parenting moment. So you may have had one or two of those now that you've got oh, a couple gosh. of girls that are older. So if you can pick um, a couple of moments or, you know, one one in particular you can think of. There's probably one in particular with my first, because again, you, you try to prepare for everything and there's always something you don't. So it was shortly after actually she got her pelvic harness on. And I took her for lunch in Canary Wharf. So that's a good night, half an hour travel for me, meeting mm -hmm. some colleagues. And she did the absolute, like the worst explosive poo up her shoulders, her neck. It was oh, everywhere. God. She's there at the pad of the harness. And of course, I didn't have a clean uh, change of clothes with me that day. The one thing I forgot, I had nappies, wipes, you know, 101 other things. Yeah. Um, so I had to take off her suit and her vest and throw it in the bin and try and wrap her up while I go to a shop. And it's like, yeah, so that was pretty bad. But otherwise, um, I mean, there are just, there are so many of the daily occurrence pretty much. Yeah, I think they just roll into one eventually. I think you just get used to just generally being a little bit embarrassed by the things they come out with or say, don't don't they, as um, we were, children? Uh, you may need to edit this out, but I was in a restaurant with my mum when Eloise was about two or three, and we're playing with her, and we're saying, you know, where are your cuddles? And she's laughing, saying, I don't have any, and we're, where are your cuddles, Eloise, where are your cuddles? And she turned around and said quite loud, 
in my fart. Oh, <laughs> so everyone's like looking round at your child. And then we look stupid because she uh, she pretty much shut us up <laughs> very quickly. Um, but that was also quite funny and very embarrassing. Bless her. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today and kind of um, telling us about your experiences with the harness and the hip displays and everything. And hopefully everybody's found that really helpful to listen to. Um, and, you know, we'll reassure them if their baby does go into one that it's, yes, it's tough at the beginning, you know, but it, but it, you still can have a routine and, you know, it will all still work out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's a distant memory now and I've got three very happy, healthy girls. So three blissful babies. Fab. All right. Well, thank you. And um, we'll catch up with you soon. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lisa. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you everyone for joining us again today and we hope you found that chat about hip dysplasia very helpful. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and if this is the first one that you've listened to, go back and have a listen to them from the beginning and um, we're covering lots of different areas. If there's any subject or area that you would like us to cover, then please drop us an email or contact me via social media and any of your embarrassing stories or top tips for other parents again drop us an email and we'll share them with everyone else we'll see you again on the next podcast bye for now